0: to be in your presence today thank you so much for being with us if today is your first time a special welcome to you my name is rodney i'm one of the pastors here at new city church and before we get into uh, the word from the lord today i do want to take a moment to emphasize what you just saw um, in the video as many of you may know um, here at new city a community is our design and that simply means that we believe that together is better want to be a place where nobody no one walks alone and new city groups is how we make that happen now to be clear we do understand that uh finding a group can be intimidating for some and and so to make that just a little bit easier we have group link and group link is an opportunity uh, to meet group leaders and others that are looking to be in a group uh, so you can find the best fit for you so with that next sunday october 16th at 5 p.m. here at the Matthews location, we're having group link, group link. And so dinner will be served, child care will be provided uh, for infants through fifth grade. All you have to do is let us know that you will be there. You can do that uh, by registering at newcity.us slash or you can take your phone out right now and scan the lovely Q- QR code right there on the screen. You can also take the, the uh, connect card and see back in front of you, uh, fill that out. Check groups, take a connection point, or you can simply scan the QR code on the card in front of you. Amen? Amen. Before we dive in, let's, let's give God this space of our time together. Father, we are grateful. Grateful for who you are. Grateful for what you've done. Thank you for this moment. It's a holy moment. It's your moment. Glorify yourself. Magnify yourself in our hearts. Start today as we continue this sermon series on the book of Judges, entitled "In Those Days." I want to start today by reading a scripture uh, from Second Corinthians, chapter seven, verse ten. You can remain seated. It says this: "For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death." Now, as you can see, we have uh, those two words: repentance and regret. Highlighted because we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, these words today. And my hope is as we talk about these words that you can clearly discern where you are, whether you are regretful or whether you are truly repentant.
1: Over the last
0: couple of years, Jacqueline and I, as well as my brother and his wife, we've been having conversations with my niece who is currently a freshman at WCU. Any catamounts in the building? Any catamounts? No? Nothing? All right. Okay, no no catamals. But that's where where she is. And we've been having these conversations with her over the last year or so. And just to be honest, those conversations have been the same. Same conversation over and over and over again. And her responses to the conversation have largely been the same. Like, I want to do my own thing. Let me mess up, she says. And this has been her attitude, and so as you can imagine, it's tough for us, right, as, as family members, as those that love and care for her. It's tough for us because we know that there are consequences to choices, right? We know that, so it's not just as simple as let me mess up. It's not just that simple, right? And the truth is is that those kind of conversations are, are not uncommon, right? Sometimes we have to have the same conversation over That's not my story. That's not my story. Promise. Promise I get it the first time. I promise. It's not my my story. But we have to have these conversations over and over and over again. And so as I processed and prayed over this and thought about my niece and thought about my own life, my hope and my prayer, not just for my niece, but for all of us, is that we come to understand that the consequences are not necessarily the point. Consequences are not necessarily the point. The point is to understand why we keep ending up where we do. Why we keep having to have the same conversations over and over and over again. And it's not unlike the Israelites, as we've been seeing throughout the book of Judges, right? So that this brings us to our story today in Judges chapter number six and the story of Gideon. So as a launching pad, let's look together at Judges chapter six. Verses one and two, it says this, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and in the strongholds. So now, just to bring you up to speed, if you are joining us for the first time, uh, this is the fourth, I believe, cycle that we're seeing the Israelites go through. So after the last cycle, there was rest in the land for 40 years after they defeated Sisera and Jabin. And now we see this cycle begin to repeat itself again. The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, and God allows consequences and oppression to come their way. Now, I said this before, and I think it bears repeating, that when God allows these consequences to come, I need you to know that there are a demonstration of his love and of his grace, because it would have been worse had God left them alone. Would have been worse for them. It would be worse for us if God leaves us alone. But remember, God doesn't want to pay us back. He wants to do what? Bring us back. He don't want to pay us back. He wants to bring us back. Nevertheless, the roller coaster ride that is the book of Judges gets scarier and scarier, darker, darker. And this oppression that the Israelites are now under is the worst oppression yet. And it was already bad. If you remember the oppression that they were under in the cushion, Eglin, and Jabin, that oppression was already bad. But this one is worse because now the Israelites are forced to leave their homes. To say it another way, the people of God had previously invited idols and evil into their homes now. The idols and the evil are evicting them from their homes, evicting them from their homes. The Midianites weren't interested in political control. They wanted to exploit God's people for financial gain. And verses 3 through 5 say that the Midianites took everything. They took everything. Says that they didn't spare a living thing. Let's look at verse number 6 together. Verse number six says, so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, don't read over that first part too fast. The Israelites were reduced to starvation by the Midianites. In other words, they were starving in the land that flows with milk and honey. They were standing in the promise. And they were starving. Standing in the promise and they were starving. That jumped off the page. me. Standing in the promise, yet they were starving. They were where they were supposed to be, yet they weren't experiencing what they were supposed to experience. Because they had yet to realize what the real problem was. I wonder if the same is true for some of us. Maybe we are where we're supposed to be, but we're not experiencing the, the things that God wants us to experience. And we'll see that they blame God. They blame God for where they were. Maybe like them, we have yet to realize what the real problem is. We'll look at that here in a minute. So, the Israelites do evil in the sight of the Lord. God brings oppression, and guess what the people do? They cry out that one-word prayer that we've been talking about. They cry out for what? Help. They cry out for help. Verses 7 and 8 says, When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. The Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. Now, this is fascinating to me because God answers their cry, only this time he does it differently than he did before. He answers their cry, but differently than he did under Othniel, Ehud, and Deborah. This time, as God responds, he sends a sermon before salvation. He sends a sermon before salvation. In other words, he sends a prophet first and then a judge. And I love how we get glimpses in scripture of how God deals with his people. God's first response to Israel here is not to send a savior, but to send a sermon. His response this time is to remind them before he rescues them. He wants to remind them before he rescues them. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. What does a prophet do? We learned last week that Deborah was a prophet, right? Prophets speak for God to the people of God. In other words, God has something to say to the Israelites here. So he sends a prophet first. And this is fascinating because they, the Israelites, before they can appreciate their rescue, they need to understand why they need rescuing. They need to understand why with God over and over they need to understand why this keeps happening the cycle some of us in this room have been in a cycle and God has been trying to get our attention so that we can understand the root problem of the cycle and this is what we see happening in our text here today so as God sends the prophet as he sends a sermon to them he sends it to remind them of two things the first is what he's done we see that in verses 8 through 10 And then the second reason is to remind them of what they have done or what they haven't done. They haven't been obedient to his voice. And so God sends this sermon, this prophet, to convict their hearts before he sends a judge to rescue them. This is important because God knows that people are regretful and not repentant. People are regretful but not. Repentant, now I don't know about you, but this, this 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 convicted my heart, right? It's like the difference between you're sorry, but why are you sorry? Are you sorry because you got caught? Or are you sorry because your actions offended, grieved God, right? Regret focuses on the circumstances of our lives. It's horizontal. It's horizontal. But repentance focuses on the heart of our relationship with God. It's vertical text, if you haven't read this, I want to encourage you to read along with us as we study this book, we don't see any record of Israel's repentance here in the scriptures, do we? We don't see any record of their, of their repentance. Tim Keller, I love what he says. He says, regret is all about us. Regret is all about us. How I've been hurt. How my life is ruined. But repentance is all about God. How our actions have grieved his spirit. Now, don't hear me wrong. Family, we all stumble and we have lapses in our discipleship journey, right? But I think what's important for us to know, as we particularly study here, chapter number six, that we need to discern the difference between a problem and a pattern. We need to discern the difference between a problem and a pattern. The Israelites were in a pattern. We've been calling it a cycle. They were in a pattern. And God sees the pattern and wants to address the real problem, wants to address the real problem. We'll talk about this further. But I also want you to know that we might not have a golden calf or the same kind of idols that they do. But we got something, right? We got something. Now, to be clear, an idol is simply good things that we've made the ultimate thing that God has perhaps blessed us with, that we beg God for. Good things that have become, that we have made the ultimate thing. Things that you and I have prioritized ahead or before God. But I I need you to see here that in the midst of all of this, we see God's faithfulness. Because before we see the people of God respond to the prophet, to the sermon that God sends, we see that God is already calling. God is already preparing the judge. He's already preparing their deliverer. Now let's, let's look for at the calling of Gideon in the next several verses here in Judges 11 and 12. God is commissioning this judge even before, even though the people have not turned back to him. He's already commissioning his judge. What does that sound like? Sounds like what he does for us, right? Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still, sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we were fellowshipping with our idols, God desires fellowship with us. While we're spending time with the people and things that we have prioritized above God, God desires. And so what we see here in our text is that God starts recruiting and preparing his rescuer, Gideon, even even though there's no evidence of the people repenting. That is nothing but the grace of God. Nothing but the grace of God. God knows that we'll come to church and so some of us will leave out the same way we came in. But he still loves us. He's still pursuing us. Nothing but the grace of God. And God demonstrates his love, he speaks his love, even though we don't deserve it. Even in our worst moments of fear, rejection, and selfishness, God is still watching us. He's still coming towards us. And that's what we see in this story. And so as the story continues, we see the angel of the Lord come and he sits under a tree and he watches Gideon. Gideon is hiding at the bottom of an old wine press, threshing wheat in secret. So that he can feed his family. This is like the worst possible moment. Let me set the stage for you here. This is like the worst possible moment. Gideon is hiding. He's hiding from the Midianites. And he's trying to get a little wheat to feed his family. And in this fearful moment of weakness, here comes God. Here comes God. Verse, verse 12 of chapter number 6 says this. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I love this verse. Gideon is hiding. He's hiding in fear. And the Lord comes to him and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. As if it wasn't enough that God found him in his fear where he was hiding. It's the way the Lord addresses him that really blesses me. He's in fear. He's hiding. And the Lord says, there's my guy. There's my mighty hero. There he is. Like every time I see Pastor Warren, that's him. You can be, you can look like you've been hit by a truck twice and spit on by your newborn baby. But when Pastor Warren see you, mighty man of God, how are you? Mighty woman of God, how are you? And what I learned is I developed this friendship with Pastor Warren over the years that that's not pretense. That's who he is. the same is true with god there's no pretense with god this is how he sees you and me in spite of our fear rejection all of our insecurities this is how he sees us and what that says to me and what that should say to you is that god defines you not your circumstances god defines Somebody in this room feels like you're in a hole today. That's the truth. Somebody in this room feels like you're in a hole. Somebody in here is hiding from someone. Maybe hiding from God. And maybe the reality is, is that your circumstances feel tragic. Maybe you are lonely. Maybe you are tired. Maybe you are sick. But if you don't hear anything else, I need you to hear the bottom line today. And it's this. God doesn't define us by our worst moments. God defines us. sure what that is it looks something like this when Jesus was on the cross that's the moment that defines you and I not what you're going through not the pain that you're feeling not the circumstances that make you feel fearful like we see here with Gideon but God's best moment because God speaks our true identity in circumstances and God's presence here with Gideon is what makes all the difference in his story. God's presence, and God's presence with you and I makes all of the difference in our stories. Let's keep looking at this. Let's see how the Lord begins to deal with Gideon's heart through these conversations. Conversations with Gideon. Gideon has two different conversations with the angel of the Lord. He has two different conversations with the angel. After the angel shows up, finds him in hiding and calls him a mighty hero, Gideon responds. Gideon responds, and his response shows us where his focus is. Watch this. Let's look at verse 13 together. This is Gideon's response. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You ever said that? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say? The Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. He blamed God. He He blamed God. I don't know about you, but I, I see myself right here. I see myself. Gideon starts his response by saying, if God is with me, why? Why? Gideon was focused on his enemy and his insecurities he was focused on his enemy and his insecurities all he saw was what he thought were the problems all he saw was what he thought were the problems but God saw an opportunity not only that but what he thought was the problem and the issue wasn't even a problem wasn't even a problem Gideon like many of us Diagnosed his problem misdiagnosed his problem because the Israelites didn't have a Midianite problem they had a sin problem they had a disobedience problem the reason they were where they were had nothing to do with the Midianites It's because they were regretful and they were not repentant that's why God wanted to convict their hearts that's why God sent the sermon before salvation so that they could see where the real of his love and his grace wants us to see where the problem is. Where else did we see somebody blame God? In the first book of the Bible, right? Adam did it. The woman you gave me. And that stuck with us to the day, right? <laughs> but some of us, we, we've misdiagnosed our situations and we think that something or someone else is the issue when the real issue change our posture towards the living God, to transition from being regretful to truly being repentant. Because see, like Gideon, when we see things as a problem, we ask why. God, why? Why my marriage? God, why my children? Why my relationship? But when we see things as an opportunity, instead of asking why, we wonder how. Man, I wonder how God is going to show up in this. I wonder how God is going to show up. I wonder how God is going to use me or somebody around me in this situation. See, because God is faithful and God doesn't change. And we see the same thing in the story. The story goes on and God absorbs all of Gideon's rebuke. I love it. Never even addresses it. Absorbs all of Gideon's rebuke. All while knowing that it wasn't him that abandoned his people. His people walked away from him. And in these conversations, Gideon is saying to the, he's saying, we need another Moses. We need somebody to rescue the Midianites." God says, mm-hmm, I agree. We do. We do. We need someone whose weakness presents an opportunity to be strong in the Let's look at verses 14 through 16 together. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him. Who said it to him? The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And I will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. In other words, this is Gideon. You are the salvation I'm sending. You are the mighty warrior. You are the Moses for this generation. I will be with you. I wonder who God wants to use you to rescue. With all of your insecurities. effort to step past my insecurities to step up here and I believe it's the same the same is true for you so Gideon says wait right here I need you to prove it I need you to prove it so he goes he prepares a meal some meat some bread he brings it to this stranger because he doesn't he doesn't yet know who it is he brings it to this stranger and the angel says put the meat and the bread on this rock and pour it over the broth I'm going to read 21 23 real quick then the angel of the lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought and the angel of the lord disappeared when gideon realized that it was an angel of the lord he cried out oh sovereign lord i'm doomed i have seen the angel of the lord face to face verse 23 it is all right the lord replied do not be afraid 14 says that the lord turned to him and said this is what's called a theophany in other words it is an appearance of jesus in the old testament that's what's happening here in this scripture isn't it its an appearance just like jesus appeared to moses at the burning bush he appears to gideon here under the tree This this take Judges 6 takes us back to Exodus chapter number 3. And this is fascinating to me. There are seven connections between Moses and Gideon. We have them here for you. Uh, if this is fascinating to you as it is for me, you could take a picture of this, but there are seven connections between them. A Reference to Midian, the angel of the Lord, the promise of the presence, deliverance, objection, commission, and a confirming sign. A confirming sign. <laughs> what does that mean? Said it before. Jesus is on every page in your Bible. So every page in your Bible, and if He's on every page in your Bible, He's in every moment in our lives. Some of us need a realization like Gideon had, verse twenty-two, that even though things are are discouraging, they're disappointing, but God, you are with me. You are with me. So the angel says in verse twenty-three, "Don't be afraid." And as chapter six concludes. Gideon essentially says, I need you to show me again. Show me again. Show me again. Gideon wants to hear from God and be reminded of his promise before he goes into battle. He needs to be reminded. And while this is happening, the Midianites are getting their friends against to, to, to be in alliance with them against Israel. And Gideon gathers an army to fight. But he needs for Gideon. Reminders are necessary for you and I. I say this all the time. I need all the reminders I can get of God's love, his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness. You heard us talk about group link and community. Community helps remind just because we want to get in the groove, we want get in the group and look cute and share stories we need a reminder of who God is and just how much he loves us and in spite of the fact that what we Despite that, despite the Israelite cycle of regret rather than repentance, what's on full display for you and I is the faithfulness, the love, and the grace of God. So we'll pick up with the rest of Gideon's story next week. But I want you to reflect on a couple of questions here as you ponder what God said today. The first question is this: is Second question is there. doesn't define us by our best moment or by our worst moment God defines us by his best moment he defines us by the work of Jesus on the cross on our behalf amen amen to God in the glory let's pray together Father we thank you Like your spirit.